No Gray Zone podcast is a frank and honest conversation on topics related to sexual abuse, harassment, child exploitation, and domestic and workplace violence. The opinions are our own, based on years of experience as special victims prosecutors. Any study, book, or product we mention is based on our own review and are not sponsored. Links and titles can be found in the podcast notes. You can also learn more at rightresponseconsulting.com. Listener discretion is advised. I'm just good at caring too much. I'm just good at caring too much. Is it too much to ask that you be all mine? I never was good at sharing. I'm just good at caring. Welcome back. I'm Catherine Marsh. And I'm Melissa Hotmeyer, and this is No Gray Zone Podcast. Today, we're speaking with Amy Kelly, licensed independent clinical social worker and high school guidance counselor. As our listeners know, Melissa and I talk about consent and the need for consent education in our schools and community all the time. And Amy is actually doing what we preach. Amy created a multi-day sexual assault and consent summit that began with her local school. And in the five years she's been running the summit has grown to include 40 partnering schools along the East Coast with goals to make it national. So Amy, welcome to No Gray Zone. Thank you. It's so great to be with you both. Amy, we absolutely love the work that you are doing professionally and as a mom, because we think it's important to point out that you are a mom of boys as well, because we know boys sometimes get left out of this conversation. Absolutely. And we know how important it is to have these conversations with our kids and early and often. But as a licensed clinical social worker and a high school guidance counselor, why do you feel it was important to talk to your students about consent? And more importantly, maybe, how did you even get them interested enough to listen? Yeah, you know, a couple of things. I think it's really important to talk with kids about consent because it's how we interact with each other every day. And it was important to talk about sexual assault in particular because it's happening. It, you know, at the time that we started this work, a lot was coming out about what was going on at the college level. But the reality is it's happening at the high school level and even before then too. And the truth is, you know, as much as we as the adults thought it was important to talk about, the kids thought it was important to talk about. So so when you ask the question about, you know, like, how do you get them interested and engaged in this? The truth was like, we needed, the, as the grownups, we needed to be the ones who were listening and get engaged in it. They they were ready to go. They, they want to talk about what's going on in their lives and want to be able to have a way to, have vocabulary to be able to talk about what's going on, adults that they can trust, who they can ask questions of. So my experience is that the students are ready to go. There's no, there's no like needing to twist their arm to be able to have conversations about consent and sexual assault. It's really good to hear because I know that having gone through high school myself, I don't know that I would have had the vocabulary to even ask my counselor or anybody at the school to talk to me about it. And so we imagine that as a high school guidance counselor, you've seen a lot at your school. And so what do you think is the most misunderstood concepts about consent when it comes to our middle school and high school age young people? So first, just to your point about the vocabulary, that is a place where we just need to get started 
earlier and earlier, right? Like, like there are ways to be talking about consent and communication and, and conflict resolution starting very early on. But to your question about what's misunderstood, one piece is that consent is not just about sexual assault and sexual assault is not about sex. <laughs> sexual assault is about power. It's about control. It's about violence. And I think once we start engaging in those conversations and separate out the difference between good sex and healthy relationships and understanding that sexual assault is not in the same category as healthy relationships and that it's actually about power and control and that sex is the way that they are using their power and control and being violent through that act. I think it really helps engage kids in that conversation and gives them better understanding of why consent is so important. And the piece around consent, that consent isn't just about sexual relationships, that we see consent in just about everything we do every day. And consent's really about dignity and how we treat one another. And I guess the other thing that I would say too, is that a, a lot of the work around consent and sexual assault is also helping kids really understand healthy relationships. Like the, 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 the conversation about consent is really about like, how are you developing a healthy relationship? How are, how are you engaging with other people? And ultimately in terms of sex, like how are you setting yourself up to have good sex? I mean, consensual sex is like a low bar. And so, and so like, how are we setting, setting people up to be able to have really like meaningful relationships with one another, whether it's around sex or with friends or with colleagues, but how are we engaging with one another in a healthy way? I think that is the best way to summarize the importance of consent, right? It's the backbone to every single healthy relationship we have in our life. As you said, be it a coworker, be it a fellow student, or be it a romantic partner, consent's the backbone of how we engage in healthy relationships. But how did you take this fundamental concept and take it out of a one-on-one -on -one consultation with your students, or even we see often an hour or two hour long assembly. And how did you make a multi-day summit that you created the Georgetown Day School Summit on Sexual Assault and Consent? So first of all, it really started because I was just keeping my eyes open and listening, which really is my number one suggestion for any educator and any parent is just to keep your eyes open and listen. But so it actually started from a student who said, I think it'd be really cool if we could talk about this. Taken, I had taken some kids to some programming and we had done some programming around the school and some quite frankly fell flat and, and others, you know, had, um, got a little traction. And once we started getting some traction, a student had said it would be really great if we could do this work. And we had already had at our school, what we call Policy Institute. And, and there were different topics like immigration or people experiencing homelessness or veterans. And so someone said like, can we do a Policy Institute on this issue where we took four weeks and really took a deep dive and met with authors and met with experts and met with advocates and met with politicians and met with all these different people who were really having an impact 
um, in our community and, be, and nationally on the issue of sexual assault and consent. And so at the end of the four weeks, it said to the kids that, okay, so what do you want to do with this information? Let's put together some sort of project or program or something where we could have an impact beyond our walls. And so the kids came up with this idea of wanting to do a summit. And so what they said is they want other people to know everything that they had known and everything that they had learned. And so I, of course, said, yes, let's, let's do that. And we started figuring out how could we translate what happened in four weeks into a summit, into something where people could come and have a springboard where they could bring information back to their schools. And so there was some like key components that we decided had to be part of the summit. One was everything we did, we were going to treat people with dignity from the moment they stepped onto our campus. And in fact, like even starting with like the first emails, we were going to treat people with dignity. We're going to treat them with compassion. We're going to understand that everyone has a story. We are going to be trauma-informed. We are going to provide opportunities where people could engage based on where, where they had their interest in engaging with the idea of, of when someone steps in and understands maybe in a part, like in a way that they're most interested in, it then can broaden into other ways. So for example, we made sure that there were sessions around policy and law and advocacy. We made sure there were sessions around education and prevention work. And we also made sure that there were sessions that were all about supporting survivors with the idea that sometimes people are interested in different parts of this work. And so wherever someone wanted to step in, we wanted to make it possible. The other sort of framing piece to when we were creating the summit was that we knew that we wanted to have teams come from schools. And so we knew that we wanted it to be student heavy because we wanted students to take the lead. And we knew that we wanted to have adults involved because it's really hard for students to get things moving in schools without having adults. And we knew that there we wanted it to be a team, that we wouldn't have just individuals come understanding that this work is done in partnership, that we really need to work with one another to, to make something happen. So we decided that there'd be teams. So those were some of the frameworks that we had decided going in into the summit. And so we use that philosophy in everything we do. So if it was going to be student-centered, then the whole summit was going to be created in a student-centered way. So our students were the ones who reached out to our presenters. Our students were the ones who helped guide and decide the entire day. Our students, with the exception, I would say, of like the very beginning of the summit and maybe the very end, our students are the ones introducing speakers, guiding people to where they need to be. Um, so we try to keep it very student-centered. And, and so we started first with the Washington area independent schools, feeling like we needed to just start small. And then it grew. And over this five years, it has gotten larger and larger to the point that it is that we've now had schools from all over the country. This last year, we even had someone from Canada who joined us. And so it's, it's grown over the years, but always with those same sort of core components that, that helped us sort of frame the work that we were going to do. And I'm sure that it's meant a lot to you and also probably to the students who helped create the summit of originally that it kind of caught on so quickly and that so many other schools are interested in providing this information and and learning from it and then hopefully bringing it back and kind of 
letting the rest of their the school digest it. And so past year, although it was COVID, you guys held your fifth annual summit. And can you tell us kind of what for you has been the most rewarding aspect of putting this summit together every year? And, you know, what have you seen that, that you think that students benefit from the most? So a couple of things. First of all, one of the things that I think has been really great is just giving kids the opportunity to be engaged in this work. And so the way that we have it set up with having sort of students out in front and center also means that they are feeling empowered to go out and then take action themselves. And so one of the things that I, that's really interesting about the summit, you know, it's, it's a really heavy topic. And we always start the summit with having survivors share their story. And we've kind of gone back and forth whether that's really the best way to start or not. And, and we have, you know, a number of sessions that people are going through out the day and it's can be really heavy. And yet there is something that happens where there's this extraordinary positive energy that comes out of the summit where I think what's happening is people feel part of something bigger than themselves. They feel inspired by, you know, we have, we have tons of experts in the field who are coming and sharing of themselves and it's inspiring. You have these people who are doing really good work, who are empowering young people. You know, I think one of the things that, that I think kids walk away from that, that I feel excited for them about is that, that they learn to be passionate about something. They learn about their own voice. They learn about what it means to be part of something. They learn about how to do things in partnership. They they learn the skills they need to go out into the world and take a stand. And it may or may not be on this issue of sexual assault and consent. And I think for many of them, it is, and it might be around gender-based violence, and it might be something that's that's related to sexual assault and consent. But even if it's not, I think they walk away from the summit feeling like they have a voice, that their voice matters, and feeling inspired to go and take a stand and, and do something that is good and right in the world. And my hope is that everyone leaves with like a greater understanding of how, just this basic understanding of how to treat other people, and that everyone deserves to be treated with dignity, no matter who they are, or what the issue is. We know that one of the things that you've ended up adding to the summit that I, I think is brilliant is a parent track. Mm-hmm. And so you talked about what the students get from it and really what your hope that the students take away from it is. But what's one thing that you hope all parents would take away from the summit? Yeah, and we have added this parent component. And it's interesting because, you know, each year we add like something new or different um, to the summit. And one year, several years ago, the kids were saying, we've got to add something for our parents. Like our parents have to be hearing this information too. You know, there's a bit of a generational piece. And when we were growing up, we didn't talk about these things. And and there might've even been like some understanding that wasn't accurate about like what, what, how women were supposed to be treated or what was okay for women to be treated in a certain way. And so the kids were saying like, our parents don't get this. Um, So we added this parent component. And so in terms of what we hope they leave with, one of the things I really hope they leave with is 
this understanding of really needing to have a relationship with your kids and similar to, to, you know, like when I hope, what I hope for that the kids leave with sort of this more global feeling of understanding dignity and understanding how we relate to one another. I also feel like with the parents, I really want them to leave knowing how important it is to have a relationship with your children as a parent, like not as a friend, not as some, you know, but, but to have some sort of relationship and it, and it matters for all issues, like whether it's about drugs and alcohol or driving or good sex or issues of sexual assault and consent, we want them to be able to have a relationship with their kids. And so I think that's one of the pieces that for the parents, I really hope that they walk away with and having a vocabulary and just having an understanding of what teen world is actually really like so that they can go and find ways to connect with their kid. And not again, not just to be talking about sexual assault, but talking about consent, talking about communication, talking about conflict resolution, and talking about like, how do you hold your kid accountable, right? Because if you're teaching your kid how to be accountable for their own behavior, then you're also teaching them that other people need to be held accountable for their behavior too. I really love this. I feel like the common thread is this vocabulary and that we we all have a common vocabulary. So we're speaking the same language and that everything means the same thing. Because I think that sometimes that is a major issue when it comes to consent is that everybody has a different vocabulary and they don't really understand it. And so we know that with the summit, it's going to be hosted again for its sixth year and that you are not just sitting back and letting it lie with just 40 schools. You're trying to expand it. So can you talk a little bit about what the future goals are for the summit? So we continue to want to engage with other schools and new schools and different schools. And there's a couple of goals as we move forward. I think one goal is to find ways to continue the conversation beyond the summit. So both in terms of, so at the summit, one one of the really nice things that happens at the summit is we have times where everyone is together. So like we start out the day, for example, with a survivor panel, and we end the day with a keynote speaker. And in the middle and in in between those two sort of bookends, there's times where people go to different sessions, but there's also times where there is kids from different schools and adults from different schools come together and have sort of these brainstorming times where they get to share what what they're learning talk about what's going on in their schools and brainstorm some new ideas. I think one thing we would like to do is be able to extend that in different ways so that, so that we have some sort of community of students and educators and parents who can come back together as they're continuing to do this work and figure out how, like what's working, what's not, get ideas from each other. So I think that's one piece that we're trying to to sort of broaden. I think another piece that we want to do is also help people in terms of developing within their own schools, how to bring back this kind of programming into their own school. So a lot of what we do at, at the summit is modeling, hoping that people can then use that model back into in their own schools. And then the third thing that I would say is I would really love to extend this to middle school. One thing we've talked about is perhaps um, creating a, a 
like a part two to the summit that would be more particularly to middle schools. And maybe it would, instead of the summit on sexual assault and consent, maybe it would be something like the summit on healthy relationships and wellness to be able to start that conversation in a more age appropriate way for middle schoolers. So, so I think that those are some of the goals that we have in front of us that we're reaching towards. We support all of those goals. We, we wish this summit was in every school. We wish we could have healthy relationship summits in every middle school. I mean, we're just blown away by how much you've had this summit grow in just five years. But to reach those goals, how can people get involved or sign up to attend the Georgetown Day School Summit on Sexual Assault and Consent? So a couple things. One is we would love to have schools join us at the summit and people are welcome to go to gds-consentsummit.com and you can find out tons of information about our consent summit and even register and come to the summit. You're also welcome to reach out to me directly at G killy at gmail.com or even through my own website, which is amykilly.com. And also there are also other programs that can help and get, get schools involved in, in this work. And so just to, to name a couple that, that I think are doing some really good work, I have the right to is doing some work, particularly around parenting and, and I'm partnering with them to do some work around parenting and, and developing some parent programs. Don McPherson is spearheading a group called Aspire that's really geared towards engaging men in positive and constructive manner around this work. And so I I think that there's a lot of work that is going on out there that is really good and really trying to find other people in your community who are also interested. And so if you're a parent and you're interested in this work, find another parent and come to the summit. Or, or give me a call and let's talk it out. And I'm like, I'm more than happy to connect people with people, right? Like I feel like that's part of what I just do in, in life is connect people with people. And that's what this work is about, is about connecting with other people to make it a safer, kinder world out there where we're treating each other in better ways. And, and as an educator, to find find a student like see hear a student who is interested in this or maybe is interested in something peripheral to sexual assault and consent and and get a group together to come to the summit i i will say there is something moving about it that we never expected when we started that i think really helps motivate and inspire people to do these same sort of things in their own communities Amy, thank you so much. That is all the time that we have for No Gray Zone today. But if you want to learn more about the Georgetown Date Summit on Sexual Assault and Consent, please go to gds-consentsummit.com or you can connect with Amy regarding the summit or any issues regarding possibly bringing it to your own school. And you can go to Amy Killy, that's K-I-L-L-Y.com or email her at amygkilly at gmail.com. All of this will be in our podcast notes so you don't have to scribble while I talk too fast. Amy, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, the time is yours for any parting thoughts. I just I just really wanted to thank you guys for giving some space and time to this. I I really appreciate it. And I'm really looking forward to engaging with more people on this issue.
Well, thank you, Amy. We really appreciate you taking the time to come on No Gray Zone today and spread the word about this summit. Hopefully more people will sign up, get engaged, contact you about establishing their own summit. We can't wait to get all the feedback and hopefully this will become a nationwide movement. As always, if you like what you hear, please subscribe and you can find us on social media at No Gray Zone RRC on Instagram or Twitter and No Gray Zone on Facebook. There are no excuses when it comes to sexual assault or not having the right response when it comes to talking to kids about consent. I'm just good at caring too much.